So, welcome to episode 8 of season 4. If you just joined, this is Maria from at Maria the, Maria the Arcane on Instagram. <laughs> and I'm joined by Robin. At Who is she? <laughs> I know. I, I can't talk today. It's fine. It's golden. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Later this episode, we will be joined by Marshall of Witch of Southern Light to discuss his new book. And we also have a class on April 25th hosted by Hannah Hawthorne of Simply Witched, the author of Magical Birthdays, on a class about intro to astrology. So we would love to have you if you haven't already signed up. We hope to see you there. Yeah, it'll be on Patreon and Library Tier and Up. And then we've already booked Ella Harrison, who wrote the Book of Spells, and she will be teaching a class on spellcraft next month. We're not sure about dates, but it is happening. And we're very excited about it. We are. We're so excited. Hello, everyone. Every single week, we talk about upcoming lunar phases and how you can utilize those in your magical practice. Uh, This is not a zodiac personal astrology check-in. It's just how we can utilize the upcoming lunar phase. So that being said, on May 5th, we have the full moon in Scorpio. And I actually really like full moons in Scorpio because it... I'm trying to think how to word this. It's a really good time to delve, like deep dive into your feelings and like how, like where you're at. It's a good way to check in with your emotions like right now. And in checking in on those emotions, you know, what things need to be nurtured a little bit more, what things need to be let go of a little bit more. Um, Personally, although... Scorpio is not one that is typically connected with things like intuition. I think that if you are somebody who is really into tarot, scrying, runes, divination of any form, right? This is a really good moon to kind of just tap in with yourself on what things with your emotional parts of yourself need to be released and what things need to be nurtured. Um, Simultaneously, if you already know these things, you know what needs to be nurtured, you know what needs taken care of. This is a really good time to do spell work um, on self-love, cleansing yourself, um, doing things like grounding work, and just generally magic involving taking care of ourselves. Uh, I I think it's really important in general that we should be doing these sort of things in a regular basis, but maybe getting into a routine of that is just not really something that you have worked into your day-to-day practice yet. (laughs) So this is a really good time to jumpstart that. Yeah. Um, I really, really, really like Scorpio moons for protection magic because they're really good at defending themselves. Totally. Um, So I actually, during Scorpio full moons, that's when I renew my mirror spell that I have permanently set up on my altar. Like I'll bring Mm. it down, I'll cleanse it, and then I'll set it out underneath the moon that night with like renewed, you know, like the whole, I do the whole spell over again. And I also think it's a great time to like cleanse your home from top mm-hmm. to or bottom yourself like doing like if you have a bath mm-hmm. this would be a really good time to make like florida water to make your mm-hmm. own and do a florida water bath this would be a really Love good that. time for that yeah and 
I also like to redo my threshold um, spells, like because mm-hmm. I put threshold mixtures outside my doors. Um, like, oh no, I change it out whenever when it gets like really really thin where there's not much left there. Mm-hmm. But I will definitely, even if there's a lot left there, I'm going to redo it during the Scorpio full moon because I, as I said, I really like working with it for the protection aspect. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's one of those moons that I feel like even though it isn't versatile, it, it almost is in, a, in some ways because a lot of things like protection and like our emotional connection within ourselves, mm-hmm. they're subjective person mm-hmm. to person on what that kind of looks like. And so it can be really, really flexible. Yeah. Um, you know, think about, you know, you talk about things like scorpios being so good at protecting themselves well maybe your protection for yourself comes with the form of like financial security so maybe mm-hmm. that interpretation of yourself is working on prosperity magic it's it's one of those few moons that i feel like is really up to the eye of the beholder yeah. i just totally butchered that expression well, but you know I what really- i mean yeah, <laughs> I really think like signs like Scorpio and Aquarius, Aquarius, they're like very liminal signs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Scorpio, while it's formally connected to water, I also feel like it's connected to fire because of the whole like defending yourself while Aquarius, mm-hmm. they're more, you know, in touch with their feelings, but they're also air, which means they're very creative and they have totally. you know, amazing thoughts and stuff like that. And um, so it gives you a lot more leeway about things yeah. that you do during those type Far, of moons. It's less cardinal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, if you just joined us for this episode or haven't listened to the other episodes so far this season in lieu of choosing a card and discussing it like we were doing, we will be having a conversation about the whole whole different sections in tarot so far this year we have gone over the major arcana the minor what each suit generally represents and the aces next we will be going through the twos all the way to the kings then after we go through all of that we'll be discussing each individual card again um but anyways this week we are discussing our thoughts on the twos we just learned about the ace in the uh, last episode which represented an idea of something that like we haven't really implemented or even chosen to fully follow through with yet and the twos represent when we start introducing that idea into our life when we start forming a relationship with them each of the suits depicts like a different reaction to doing so it can feel like a puzzle piece falling into place you might be plotting your course forward you may be trying to balance it with your other goals or responsibilities or you are mentally stepping away from others in order to make some tough decisions for yourself uh you know all of this still feels like it's still in the testing phase when it comes to the twos nothing really feels like solid or even taking full form yet so if things are disastrous you can 100% go back to the drawing board reconfigure things or just ditch it all together there's still thing you know, there still may be like negative consequences to doing so but it won't be as big of an it won't have as big of an impact if you keep moving forward with 
this disaster making it a more major part of your life. For instance, let's say you just started a relationship and there's already huge red flags, like red flags (laughs) everywhere. Better to do the breaking up now rather than later. Or if that goal that you know, you've been um, starting to implement, unfortunately, you know, takes up too much of your time, money, and basically just throws your whole life off for the worst. Well, you know, maybe you can revisit it later when things are on more sure footing, or you may um, just have to go back to the drawing board and see what you can do to make it work. If things are looking good at this stage, though, these twos can come up and and these twos come up in positive readings. Um, generally it's a push to keep going, keep cultivating this particular thing you are working on. Good things may come from them. Will it be easy? No, but all things ebb and flow and you'll see that in the upcoming cards. So how do you feel about the twos, Robin, dear? Um, I think that I I mirror everything that you said, of course, (laughs) of course, (laughs) but I, I've heard people argue that twos are actually really good on like foundations and grounding and I for example the two of cups you know you have situations where people talk about the lovers being a sign that you have a soulmate which we're not even going to unpack that because no um (laughs) um but But see okay one second (laughs) I actually agree with that a little bit that is the form of a healthy relationship because the health symbol is above the lovers yeah I mean I don't disagree with that and healthy relationships might be the case but a healthy relationship does not mean that it is your soulmate your life partner oh definitely as healthy for you in this moment but not Mm -hmm. necessarily healthy for the long term for forever I, i i it's i'm mirroring that kind of sense that it is all about the kind of potential and the right now um mm-hmm. but it isn't it's it, it isn't the for the forever <laughs> oh yeah really definitely. Big on balance too the twos in general are really good about balance it's uh not female and male but the concepts of feminine energy versus masculine energy twos Mm -hmm. kind of hold on to that kind of balance you know finding that balance better for yourself uh bringing that balance into your life etc and balance is wonderful but if we're still trying to find the balance then we don't have the foundation (laughs) Mm mm-hmm does that make sense? Oh no, that makes total sense. <laughs> I feel sense. like I'm just saying buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you make total sense. Yeah, I think basically, I think the twos, they really are mostly positive when they're upright. Now, Absolutely. when they're reversed, that's when they're like, hey, mm-mm, no, yeah. mm, no. Mm. Hey, let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> So today we are joined by the wonderful Marshall of Witch of Southern Line. You want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are? Absolutely. Um, Hello, listeners. I'm Marshall, the Witch of Southern Light. Uh, I am a Texas-based traditional and folkloric witch. Um... I've lived in Texas my whole life, so I really feel like I, I've 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 got a lot of roots here uh, in my home. Uh, I'm a hairstylist by day and um, witchy queer by night. Actually, no, I'm a witchy queer twenty four seven. But yeah, that's me. Demon worshipper by night, you mean? 
<laughs> yes, yes, that that is me. Um, over in the corner, I have my uh, demon worshiping altar. Obviously, obviously, obviously. It's is just there out like of frame. a huge community of like queer witches in Texas? I've never been to Texas, so you know, it's interesting. Texas is a really big state. Um, I do not know a lot of other practitioners around where I live. And to be perfectly honest, I'm a solitary witch. I prefer it that way. Um, I. <laughs> Uh, it's just one of those things where I couldn't imagine um, being, I guess, on the hook for having to go to regular coven meetings and, and whatnot. <laughs> uh, it's just a personal thing for me. It's not that I'm a control freak. It's just that I'm kind of a control freak. <laughs> I feel that. In my you get soul. it. So get speaking it. of your practice, yes. what made you get started in witchcraft in the first place? You know, I have always had an obsession with the icon of the witch with the aspects of what it means uh, to make magic uh that's one of those things that i felt like even before i recognized it or realized it was something that could be real i was still obsessed with it my favorite movie as a child was uh, wizard of oz and my favorite character was the witch my 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 favorite other movie as a child was the worst witch with with fruza ball <laughs> from 1986 um i remember <laughs> i remember I went to Manuel's movie. This is before Blockbuster. Manuel's movie store was the name of the independently owned video shop in the little town that I lived in growing up. I rented Hocus Pocus so often that eventually <laughs> the owner just gave it to me. He literally just said, you know what? I'm just going to let you have this copy. I've been meaning to order more in the first place, but you come every Friday. And apparently I threw a couple fits when I came on a Friday and it wasn't available. So he literally gave me the copy. It was one of those things where I always, always, always was obsessed with witches in books and movies and TV. And it was just one of those things that I resonated with. I resonated with this, with this um, identity. And when I was about 12 years old and, and started getting into uh, Wicca, which at the time of course was synonymous with witchcraft. It was a, you know, it's a religion (laughs) itself. Um, I'm no longer Wiccan personally, but that was my doorway. That was the thing that made me realize this is real. I, I can, I can jump into this, uh, uh, not movement. That's not right way to put it. I can, um, jump into the identity and take ownership of it. It does, doesn't have to be something I see in a far off place. Totally. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) A lot of people, I at least start off in something that is at least Wiccan adjacent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a really common thing that isn't talked about enough. A lot of people want to rag on Wicca. And the fact of the matter is Wicca is where most of us got our foundation you know, Thanks maybe not the 90s. younger people, you know, where they've got things like TikTok and YouTube, but people that are our age and up, I think that, or at least in the, the, the general bracket, got their foundations in Wicca, and that's nothing to be ashamed in. Absolutely. And, and Wicca is one of those things that I think a lot of people really, really a big thing that people miss when it comes to it is witchcraft would not be today what it is if it weren't mm-hmm. for the steps that Wicca took to survive during a really, really important time period of the of the the eighties and early nineties with satanic panic. Like Wicca is the reason that witchcraft exists as it does today uh, and survived mm-hmm. that because I don't think it would have if it wasn't for Absolutely. what a lot of the um, uh, movers and shakers of Wicca eventually became. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And how would you describe the way that you practice magic today? 
Um, I, as I before kind of just said, I identify as a traditional witch. So the the baseline of my practice falls in the aspect of of reaching out to the initiatory figure, the the folkloric devil, if you will, or the witch's initiator. Um, there's a couple of great books I would say are, are great to kind of teach some of these aspects, but um, I really, really resonate with uh, Gemma Gary's traditional witchcraft, a book of Cornish ways. Um, it is of course, much more specific to Cornwall, but I really, really took mm-hmm. a lot of these ideas and were able to apply them to my local landscape. I'm an animist. So everything, as far as I'm concerned, has spirit. The microphone that I'm talking on has spirit. This computer has spirit. My bed has spirit, my home, my land, my trees. I live at a crossroads with an over almost over 200 year old tree right outside i i very much find because i see spirit in all things i connect uh uh, to my landscape in a different way i think than i used to when Mm -hmm. i was living um as a wiccan which was a little bit more of a ceremonial and religious now i find Mm -hmm. that i'm a little bit more I hate to say just like, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, but it does feel that way. It feels like a mm-hmm. spiritual connection that is is different from a dogma, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. So I kind of work with a spiritual court that involves the witch king and witch queen, and then the cross-quarter ways, uh, uh, which kind of fall underneath that aspect that are the intermediary spirits that I work with to go upwards, if you will, or downwards, mm-hmm. depending on, on what I'm working with. Yeah. So so far in your practice mm-hmm. what has been your favorite witchcraft experience or moment that you've had i will for as long as i have been and will continue practicing i will never get over the joy of seeing my spells work that is yeah. some i think that's something that every practitioner really 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 loves especially because i think that a lot of us suffer i mean whether you're a witch or a cultist or or any identity that you are 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 growing and learning in a lot of us sometimes uh struggle with uh, uh what's it called um imposter syndrome and wondering yeah. like mm. y- you know is anything I'm doing real? Are these things that are really happening a lot of times? And and sometimes I kind of wonder, is, is the thing that I am working towards something that I am making up or something that already exists? Or is it simultaneously both and it exists because I, I believe in it? It's, it's a very, very big gray area that many of us practice in. So when we turn around and we believe in ourselves and we do these practices and then they turn around and prove themselves and they work. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things that really, really, really makes me happy. I, um, my mom passed, uh, 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 was divorced a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and, uh, she ended up getting a new boyfriend and I was really, really excited for her. She was looking for, for a type of partnership that I think she probably hadn't felt in a while. And unfortunately, a couple, like a year and a half into this relationship, uh, he found out he had cancer. And so she, you know, she's really scared. She doesn't, she, she's in a very in-between place where she's like, am I setting myself up to be with someone who I may lose soon, who I may end up having to take care of mm. when I just mm-hmm. got out of a relationship that I wasn't happy. It was a very, very scary place for her to be in. Um, and ultimately, she she made the choice to stand by him. He sold his home to pay for medical bills. He moved in with her. Um, I ended up turn, deciding to do a candle spell um, 
that called upon the, uh, a specific familiar of healing. I did it for nine solid days in a row. Uh, and he, I was doing this at a time that he was having surgery to have the cancerous tumor removed. And when mm-hmm. they finished, you know, she said, ah, the doctors say they're not sure they got it all. There still might be some cells. There might still be some possible radiation or even possibly chemo in the future. We don't know what that looks like right now. And I have to admit, at first, I was a little disappointed because I was like, well, I guess that didn't work. And 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 I guess we'll see the next scan. And three months later, when the scan came back, all the cells that they thought they had left behind were gone. The trans- he was in complete amazing. remission. He has no amazing. cancer cells left in his body. It's now been over six months since then, still checking, complete remission, no regrowth whatsoever. So that that was one of those things that made me just feel personally, I don't care whether or not I had any effect on it with my with my magic, with my spellcraft. Mm-hmm. I'm just really, really, really happy that that happened for her because I know how scared she was, how scared he was, the big life commitments they were making. And if I had anything to do with affecting that for the better, I'm just glad for it. I'm grateful. I love it's that. amazing. Like, it's already amazing yeah. when spells go really well, but when important spells like that go really well and it has, like, mm-hmm. such a great impact on your life. Like, it keeps you going. Our lives, yeah. other people's lives in such a massive and impactful way. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it doesn't really matter if the rest of it, it ever works again, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, that's all you needed. That's all I needed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So tell us about your book, what inspired it and what would someone expect when they would pick it up? That's a, that's actually a really good question because, um, yes, I did. I wrote a book. It's called Cunning Words, a grimoire of tales and magic. Um, and I, and I want people who are reading it to understand that this book itself literally is a grimoire. It is a working book of magic. Um, but a huge portion of it is taught from a narrative perspective. And I think that's something that a lot of people who are used to buying lots of different types of pagan books on paganism and witchcraft will not be used to. Uh, It's going to be very, very different from any sort of uh, Witchcraft 101 book. It is going to share stories. Uh, It's broken down into three parts. The first part is 13 chapters that are 13 stories. They're individual characters that go through trials and tribulations. And throughout these processes, you uh, are made aware of certain spirits that you can work with, energies that you can call upon, archetypes that can be worked with in your personal craft. And, And they teach you how to tap into certain veins of magic, if you will. Um, the second part, part two, is all poetry. So that one was really fun because I'm, I'm a, I always identify as an artist above all else. So writing and teaching magic in a way that was poetic was really important to me because I think I wanted to create something that I wish I had found when I first discovered witchcraft because everything that I kind of found. While it was mystical and wonderful and beautiful, a lot of it really can sometimes read like stereo instructions. They're very (laughs) step-by-step. Sometimes they can be dry. Sometimes it can feel like uh, a book of formularies and recipes. And I I wanted to teach, even in a formulary, a way in which it would speak to someone 
in a, and not just a flowery language, but in a passionate language. And I think poetry does that really, really beautifully. And then the third part is all uh, is basically the working practical grimoire section. So 13 chapters again, and they're going to have lots of different ways in which you can apply the knowledge that you saw in the first and second half, uh, as well as new spells, new pieces of creation, uh, chanting with beads, building a familiar with a specific plant root, uh, lots of different aspects of working with uh, planetary uh, uh, essences and, and energies. So uh, it's a very, very well-rounded, workable grimoire. I love uh, that. I, like I, I'll be honest, I haven't, had, yeah, <laughs> I haven't had the opportunity yet to finish your book. Sure. Um, it's something that I've been slowly chipping away at. But I do really love the concept of it, of writing stories that are stories, but also having these educational kind of uh, little insertions into it. Thank yeah. you. Learning through something creative. And I think that's really yeah. fun. I, I know, you know a lot I, of people. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say, uh, and one of the things that was really important to me about writing this book is I sometimes people are more interested in nonfiction because it's delivered in a way that is rational and easy, like, like I said, stereo instructions. So mm -hmm. for me, I'm a, I'm a neurodivergent reader. I have difficulty looking at pages and pages and walls of text. So one of the things I did for my book is I put spaces between all the paragraphs mm -hmm. um, and that really breaks up how the words lay on the page. So I know that sometimes people think, oh, it's a storybook. I'm not sure if I'm interested in reading that. I sometimes get bogged down in a lot of fiction, uh, fiction pages of stories and whatnot. So I want mm -hmm. listeners to know that bogged down feeling isn't something that I feel like happens as much with, with the way that I formatted it because it's mm -hmm. written in a very specific way for neurodivergent brains to absorb the information and not become so overwhelmed. Well, one, I love that. I tell Robin all the time <laughs> that I have problems with reading walls of text. My brain just I can't handle it. I can't handle it. And then secondly, um, it's just, I know some practitioners have like really big issues with reading personal stories, but I find it like really inspirational, like create, even creative stories. I think that's what makes mm -hmm. us keep going. and keeps us inspired by other people's experiences to keep, you know, practicing and find connection to um, what we're doing. So mm -hmm. I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think our, these personal stories... I think that's one of the biggest things that some practitioners really miss is the personal stories are the things that ultimately created the systems of magic we have now. Sometimes these systems are so removed from their origin source sometimes. So we don't realize, oh, wait, you mean this entire belief system that I've been following because it's been quote unquote agent was someone's UPG once, someone's individual personal gnosis? Of course it mm -hmm. was. Of course mm -hmm. it was. 100%. And those are the stories that I want people to share. I want to know your personal gnosis if you're willing to share it because mm -hmm. it is it matters. And it's ultimately the thing that creates these these frameworks that we fall into with our craft and practice. A thousand percent. So yeah bouncing off of that then yeah. and you putting kind of these personal touches and these personal stories into it um would you like to expand on your cum sigil that is in the book yes let's talk about the semen sigil <laughs> let's let's talk about the cum sigils so i i did i wrote an entire poem it's absolutely beautiful about cum sigils and this is one of those things that 
when I first started getting into witchcraft, this was never discussed. Let's just say when I was younger, this is not even part of, of Wicca <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, come sigils are an idea that come from chaos magic. And it's really fun because uh, most people don't realize that some of the original ways in which you would activate a sigil comes from, uh, they call it gnosis. With, and I say it for people who are listening, I put air quotes around it because how do you get that gnosis can sometimes come from many different ways. They talk about experiencing a a brain, a shift of, of way of thinking while focusing on the sigil. And the most common way that was taught was through orgasm. So the idea was, is you would draw the sigil and then you would stare at it or at least focus all your attention on it in the moment of orgasm. When you're releasing that highest amount of energy, your brain is shifting. It's the activation of this very specific sigil. You can see this in several wonderful uh uh, publications like Liber Null and Condensed Chaos and a couple other chaos books that talk about uh, uh, sigil crafting. And I feel like it's kind of become this online joke about uh, cum sigils. And so I wanted <laughs> to kind of like revamp and revisit this idea in a way that came across as fun, kind of <laughs> naughty. But also at the same time, like I want, I, I think naughtiness should be part of our craft. I think oh, it's 100%. one of those things. Absolutely. I think we as witches should definitely consider the naughtiness aspect to be a, a, a beautiful and really, really exhilarating part of our craft. I myself have used this type of sigil creation multiple times and it's actually worked in my favor quite well for multiple reasons. Um, so, uh, if you are interested in learning more about the cum sigil, you should definitely check out my book chapter. I can't remember what eight, which chapter it is, but it was um, in the poetry section. And I think it's, it's one. Of, I think it's, it's chapter eight. eight. Yes, I think. chapter eight. There only it is. The climactic <laughs> sigil. I only know that it's chapter eight because I was checking this morning to make sure that I had the verbiage correctly <laughs> and the picture was right there for it. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Um, but I, I'm not like, no, I've actually got it highlighted and black and I keep bringing it up over and over and over again. It's actually the only part of the book I have read. <laughs> good, good. Now it's burned into your memory. But, you know, I, I really wanted also, you'll notice throughout my book, there are multiple things that I'm not going to say are repeating but they kind of give you multiple access points to 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 get to the point of whatever you're trying to do within your craft depending on where you are in the world what you have access to the thing about cum sigils is literally anyone can do it i'm telling you right now you don't need herbs you need a piece of paper a pen and the will to orgasm and I'm, i don't know about you but i'm willing and, and <laughs> I'm willing and it, and it, you don't even need anyone else to be involved but I, I, I want people to know that your your orgasms are powerful they can be channeled into magic um, if you have a partner or two or four you can put sigils underneath your mattress underneath your pillow mm -hmm. you can draw them with oil come or, on the pillow is what he's saying guys come yeah, on your pillows on your pillow um, <laughs> they can be used in multiple ways and I feel like like sometimes because that subject matter can be somewhat thought of as taboo when talking about it, especially mm -hmm, in public, sure. public places, uh, I wanted to bring some, let's just say some attention to it, but in an artistic and classy way. 
Um, I love it. I think it's yeah. so fun. I really like as someone who's like chronically fatigued, um, sex magic is so helpful for getting the energy up in order to Absolutely. channel it through a spell. So I do like. Well, and if you like to look at it from a historic standpoint mm-hmm. as well, um, historically orgasming has been aligned yeah. with seeing God, mm-hmm. so or well, being one with God yeah, and sorry. the euphoria that comes with it, etc. So it doesn't really matter what belief system you come from if you actually mm-hmm. look it up google.com what is coming like um if you just head right on there and figure that out uh, do not go to the photos or the videos <laughs> um <laughs> these sort of things do come up and i i just i think it's something that does get overlooked a lot yeah absolutely I mean, sex I, has been around for like the beginning of time ta- since the beginning of magic so there's several characters in in the stories that I've written where they have experiences. There's only one where it's very clear this this person is having an orgasm. I don't say it outright, but it's very very clear. And what I've done with the way in which I wrote it is I'm not saying this person is coming. Instead, I s- describe the feelings that they're having while it is while they are experiencing it, because that actually is the thing that I think is more important to focus on, um, especially as characters that were they were reading about their experience or trying to learn from their experience. There's even one story where someone takes a bite out of a strawberry during a very specific initiatory experience, and it is an orgasmic experience. I don't say that's what it is, but as you're reading it, you're like, "This sounds like an orgasm." And I want it to be very clear that it is a divine experience. It is very much like seeing God. You are mm-hmm. in between here and there. It's it's a it's a place that we can only achieve through that type of experience. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you decide to go the self-published route rather than with traditional publishing? Well, as we've already established, I'm kind of a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've spoken with you, Robin, about publishing. Mm-hmm. I've spoken with, with Frankie. I've spoken with, with Temp. I've spoken with a bunch of different authors. Um, I've interviewed a lot of wonderful authors and I really, really struggled with this decision because I had a couple of, of, uh, honestly, we can probably say it. I was interested in possibly like Weiser or Llewellyn or they might be interested in publishing my books I think they're wonderful companies I will continue to buy books from them I Mm -hmm. I really really love the things that they put out but every now and again I just hear from from authors little disappointments Um, I I didn't like this on my cover I I really really struggled with my editor I was really really upset that because I did an interview with someone and I asked a question they said I'm so glad you brought that up because there's a whole section that got cut out and left on the cutting room floor and it broke my heart that I couldn't keep that in there and that just made me think there is nothing in my book that I would feel comfortable cutting out Mm -hmm. Um, there's no way I would feel comfortable with someone else designing my cover I don't think it would I don't think I would consider it. I would not be comfortable with allowing someone else to decide this isn't sellable. I don't think that this is going to represent our company as well. 
I didn't feel like it was worth, in my opinion, taking that chance that someone would take that decision away from me. So I just decided to go with the self-publishing route. And I spoke to a couple of other authors who self-published through Amazon, um, who, who were wonderful in walking me through a few things. Um, but it is a struggle. I mean, it is a lot of work on your own. You are responsible mm. for everything. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a big decision. And I absolutely recommend authors look into both aspects, depending on what you're what you're sure. interested in. Um, I have to admit, even now, I still question, will I do that again with my next book? Because <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So bouncing off of, you know, you talking about Llewellyn and Wiser and other books like that, Mm -hmm. are there authors or books that have deeply influenced your practice, inspired you or inspired you in this book? Oh, absolutely. Um, One of my biggest inspirations is Gemma Carey. Um, I have been vocal about her work for years now. Um, I've had her on my show, uh, Mm -hmm. Southern Bramble. It's getting the opportunity to speak with her was just absolutely a highlight of my experience as a witch and as a podcaster and as a person. Uh, I think the information she shares in her books are so wonderful because I feel like I've tapped into, like I said, I like to talk about the idea of tapping into a vein. For some reason, I feel like a lot of us as practitioners have different types of energy sources and things that inspire us. The work that she put out is the thing that I feel I tapped into and then just absolutely ran with it. Um, I applied much of it to my own personal uh, practice here in Texas. Um, her book, The Black Toad, was instrumental and in the stories that I wrote. Uh, she wrote a book, The Black Toad, and it's formatted in a way that it's three ch- three major chapters, Old Mother Red Cap, Old Mother Green Cap, and Old Mother Black Cap. And so Mm -hmm. you see three stories in my book, Our Mother in Red, Our Mother in Green, Our Mother in Black, and they tie back to these figures, these these, um, archetypes. Um, Gemma didn't give them any names, any histories, any stories. They were just a way of formatting this book to break down how it was going to educate on on Mm -hmm. folk magic. I wanted and felt that there was more I could I felt like I wanted to tap into this and I gave them names I gave them stories I gave them histories and futures um, mm-hmm. that's that's that type of, of of narrative that ends up getting taught in the first part of the stories in my book um, I would also say Keldon is mm-hmm. a huge influence on me as well I really uh, like Keldon's work as well I love Keldon's work The Crooked Path and The Witch's Sabbath by Keldon mm-hmm. are are instrumental I would almost even say and act no I've even told them this if anyone is interested in getting in traditional witchcraft I would say get The Crooked Path before getting traditional witchcraft by Gemma Gary because it is so malleable to wherever mm-hmm. you are, to your landscape, to your practice, it's more generalized ideas, and then the individual can can apply them to their own sure, sense of belief, yeah. which I loved. Um, I also loved their book, uh, uh, All, All Them Witches, which came out last year and end of September. It is another, it's also a book of stories and prose and, and inspirations from folklore. And then lastly, Roger J. Horn. Roger J. Horn has just absolutely fantastic books. Also self-published on Amazon. Uh, uh, folk witchcraft was the thing 
that I devoured in probably less than 24 hours. <laughs> and again, it was one of those books that had spaces and, and just the right places, small chapters, wonderful. The first half was inform informative. The back half was more of a grimmery. So I, I understood how to put it together. I would absolutely recommend folk witchcraft to, to any new practitioner looking to get into more folklore. I love that. So our last and final question, what advice do you have for anyone who is just starting out on their witchcraft journey that you wish you knew at the beginning? Mm. That's a really great question because I feel like that it's like I it's constant, but it changes depending on on where I am in my path. I would say mm -hmm. the constant one is is always it is not a race. This is a lifelong path. There is no end point that you need to hurry and get to. More will come and your practice will evolve. That's the, that's the big one. Your practice is always evolving. It's mm -hmm. always growing. There is no one singular book that you will pull everything from. There will always be new books that you can learn new things from. So mm -hmm. never just think that you are settled in your craft. There will always be something new that will inspire you. And that's my favorite thing about it is every time I read something new, I'm inspired to kind of evolve that into the next step, if you will. Uh, I think that's that's actually one of the biggest things about witchcraft that is just truly otherworldly. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's so important to like mm -hmm. know that you have the end of time. This is like part of your life <laughs> now. <laughs> you know, there's always yeah. going to be something mm -hmm. to learn. So yeah, I completely agree. So many of us come from, I want to say, m mostly Christian backgrounds. I know I came from a Christian family or, or a mostly Christian background from my mom's side. And it, it was one of those things where many of us came from religions that were finite. There was a singular mm. book. There was a, I mean, even with all the different sects of Christianity, there's still a ultimate theme that has a beginning and an end and then all mm -hmm. the stuff in the chunk in the middle. It's not like that for witchcraft. And I think sometimes we struggle as we evolve growing from that old mindset into a new one where we have to get the right book, the right spell, the right, mm -hmm. uh, the right deities. And I think many of us aren't sure always when we first start, what are the right questions to ask? And when it comes down to it is there are really no right questions to ask. Everything that you want to ask matters. Um, mm -hmm. As long as you don't continue to always compare it back to the thing that we're no longer involved in. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. I will speak on both of us here and saying thank you very much for joining us today. Yes, can you, you. Um, just let our listeners know where they can find you if they don't already follow you? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Witch of Southern Light. You can find me on Twitter at MarshallWSL. Um, I have a podcast as well, Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways on pretty much all streaming platforms with my co-host Austin, who is Bane X Bramble on Instagram. Instagram and Twitter. Um, if you'd like to uh, read my my writings, I have a blog on Pathios Pagan called The Southern Light Diaries. And if you'd like to buy my art, I do have a, uh, a 
a shop on Redbubble. If you want to check out any of the links, go to any of my platforms I've listed in the link tree in my bio. You will see a list of at least 50 links, free resources, <laughs> free herbal correspondences, free stones, free planetary days of the week. I want to make sure people have this as an option all the time to, to no matter where you are, have access to get that those free resources. And mm-hmm. if you want to support me, please buy my book, Cunning Words, A Grimoire of Tales and Magic, available on Amazon. And if you own an occult or metaphysical shop, um, you can order the black and white version to sell at your store from the Ingram Spark catalog. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Maria, what's stirring your cauldron this week? Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> so, I believe I mentioned this in the last episode that I'm currently reading Rooted by, um, I'm going to, if I mispronounce this name, I completely apologize, but Landria Lynn Hopped. She said something in the Wondering chapter that really resonated with me. She brought up the idea of making your own ley lines, which is is what is 100% stirring my call to right, like right now. But <laughs> um, now I've heard of this before, but it just kind of re-sparked this amazing and beautiful idea. If you guys don't know what ley lines are, they're said to be like invisible pathways of magic around the globe, connecting pivotal places of power and worship. All of this is unfounded. Do they exist? Maybe. Uh, mm. <laughs> but we witches do believe in energy of place. And one, you know, one of the ways to create energy is by visiting the same places repeatedly. Our footsteps and our movement to these spots, either in nature and around our homes, and even to our much beloved bookstore down the street, do create like lines of power and energy for ourselves maybe even for others like especially like when we are paying like when we're paying attention as we make them you know not just doing it willy-nilly and i just as i said i think it's just a beautiful way to connect magically to place and to the world around us to make you know the spots we hold dear be protected and filled with magic and wonder as long as we remain conscious of what we're doing um as we're doing them does that make sense yeah yeah yeah. I love that concept too. <laughs> That's really cool. You're gonna have to forward me this book because now I'm gonna read it. <laughs> well, it makes sense, you know, yeah. like pilgrimages and stuff like that. Like, you know, people used to walk from, you know, certain places like repeatedly through the year, and those became like sacred things. And, you know, people are like, well, now they're ley lines. And um that does make sense. You know, that the energy would be there. I mean, do I believe in all the whole ley line like stuff? Not necessarily. (laughs) But this particular, you know, particularly, yes. Yes, I do. I I mean, we know I take massive issue with the alien overlap in ley lines. Oh, Um, yeah. I don't know. No, mm, not the aliens. That's that's just racism. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. But I I, I love the idea of that, where it's kind of like, I don't know, on a smaller scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's cool. So, Robin, what is not during your cauldron this week? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> um, retrograde. 
Listen, <laughs> listen, retrograde as of today that we are recording this episode has not even started, but we're in that like shadow of retrograde or whatever it is when it's leading up to it. It Listen, if there's one thing about me <laughs> is that I will, my whole life will blow up when retrograde is happening. <laughs> Our dog has run away. We got the dog back, but that was a mess. Um, I just did not post the uh, tarot challenge when I was supposed to. I just t- completely forgot. I had Patreon, the spell of the week, scheduled, didn't post. <laughs> I am like, kill me. Kill me now. Our internet went out for three hours the other day. No explanation. And then I just went and restart the router, which I had tried before. And then it just came back on. Like, nothing even happened. I... I'm just like, I can't handle this, actually. You know what, Retrograde? You can kindly fuck off. <laughs> it's too early for this shit. It's not even started yet. I, I just, I can't. Listen, I, I don't like it when people get all like, oh, Mercury's in Retrograde. Nothing's your fault. Because, like, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. But I always feel like when it comes to, like, communication issues and technology. Technology. Uh, Especially at this period. It's usually like the four or five days leading up to retrograde. Yeah. Everything fucks up for me. And then and then I'm fine. Like retrograde itself, I'm usually totally fine. But it's like that couple of days leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Why wouldn't my computer restart in the middle of recording? Sure. Why wouldn't the internet just turn off for no explanation whatsoever? <laughs> like, and when I called them about it, they were like, your internet's not turned off. Blah. The fuck it's not. <laughs> so it just, it, I'm just over it. I really am. I'm so tired of like just the miscommunications and the shit not working. I'm like, we're just no retrogrades for the rest of the year. <laughs> Two things. Which big social media companies do you think will do upgrades in the middle of retrograde? Because oh, easy. Instagram is going to. <laughs> For sure, they re they they released their they little blue check mark thing. They, they do released their blue check mark thing, and it's gone bad. Um, so that's happened. Uh, so I guarantee they're going to update that, and mm-hmm. that's going to go even worse. Yeah. I also predict that Elon Musk is going to do something just totally crazy on Twitter, unhinged. Just something unhinged, unhinged that we're all going to be like, why are we here? <laughs> why are we on this app? <laughs> yeah. And then and secondly, I'm actually going to release a huge thing on our Patreon, like a huge um, Mercury retrograde article. It's about 20 pages at the moment. It might be longer, but it's full of tips <laughs> and tricks and spells and a tarot spread and crystals and plant allies to use during this time. So I highly recommend it. And Yay! I'm even going to have the trickster gods that may be in charge in doing all of these things. And that she's you got can. some really cool graphics in there, guys. Thank some you. really cool graphics. <laughs> 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 was it the whoosh sign next yeah, to her? Yeah, it was the whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be good. Um, it will be. If you've just joined us this week, every week we talk about creators that we are loving right now. This could be shops, artists, photographers, books, books blogs, podcasts, whatever. We 
know we're feeling at this moment. These are not ads. These are just things that we are genuinely vibing with. This season, we have opened up submissions to our listeners. So that way there's a third option or a third recommendation, rather, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that is submitted by someone like you. Go ahead and send us your submissions on any of our social media or email us. We can't promise that we will get to all of them, but we are going to do our get to the ones that we love as well or that we see first or no, whatever. Yeah, I usually post a story the day before we record to ask for ideas. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah. So that being said, Maria, who are you loving this week? So I am loving the Treadwell's Book of Plant Magic by Christina Mm. Oatley Harrington. It's just a really good plant correspondence book full of folklore and amazing ideas on how to use, I don't know, like you, you'd kind of seen like the same plants reused over and over again in like smaller mm-hmm. correspondence books. And this is like more, has way more variety, kind of like, um, um, um what's his name's book? Cunningham's book, mm. but there's more information about the hmm. Um, herbs and how to use them in spell work. So okay, I I'll get recommend it. it. Yeah, do it. <laughs> okay, I, all right, I'll do get it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who have you been loving? Um, I've already posted about them on Instagram, but I got sent. So, uh, the redheaded witch on so all social media just opened up a coffee shop with her husband called craft goods she was already doing syrups and stuff but she added coffee and she sent me a like bag of their coffee and it is so good like for those of you who follow me especially like on twitter because i posted a lot on twitter um my husband got a latte machine uh, a couple months ago and he now makes me lattes every morning (laughs) and like both of us were like yes this is very good (laughs) (laughs) And she sent me a syrup as well that is, like, insanely good. I was really worried about it because it has ginger in it. It's ginger and cinnamon. And when you sniff it, it's, like, really gingery. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be very gingery. And it's it's actually not. It's, like, the perfect, perfect balance. So I really like it a lot. And I'm super grateful that she had sent it to me. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to just keep buying it from her because it's so good. As long as she's got it in stock. My ass will be purchasing. <laughs> she sent me some too, and I'm like legitimately super excited. It's, I cannot wait to try it. Oh my gosh, it's really it. good. You're gonna love it. I honestly like. This is not a dig, okay, at anyone, but sometimes people in our community come up with these really big ideas, like <sighs> coffee. Making coffee is like that's a big concept, um, and I get. I think people sometimes bite off a little bit more than they can chew. But I think she, especially considering the fact that they are just doing one coffee blend right now and one syrup right now, I think she fucking knocked it out of the park because that's a great foundation to grow from. And what the product she's got right now is super quality. So I love it. I will be purchasing it again. (laughs) Well, I'll be purchasing it because she sent me this one. (laughs) (laughs) Who is our um, listener submission this week? It is for Oak, Ash, and Thorn Tarot by mm-hmm. Three Tree Tarot. And I've actually wanted this deck for a very long time. Like, if you like cute little woodland creatures in a very cute, like, situations, like, they're just done super well and they're super cute. And I Who's really want them. Who did you say it was by? Three Trees Tarot. 
Read Trees Tarot. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's like one of those decks that have sat on my wish list for like maybe two years and it's just... Oh, yeah, totally. One day. One day. One day. <laughs> it is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I get so distracted when new decks come out, like super new, and I'm like... Well, gotta get that one. <laughs> I would like the record to state that last year I achieved my resolution. I did not buy a single deck last year, and I haven't bought one this year. So therefore, I will be buying myself three for my birthday. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's really, really fair, and I did a really good job, and we should all give me kudos. If oh, anything, definitely. you guys should all send me tarot decks. So that way I can just keep it up. You know what? I'll put up the list. <laughs> thank you all so much for joining us today we hope we will see you again on friday april 28th for our coffee talk episode or on may 5th for the ninth episode of season four you can keep an eye out on our social media or head to our website coffeeandcauldrons.com to find out more information and see what we are up to Don't forget to join our Patreon April 25th for the astrology class hosted by Hannah Hawthorne for the library tearing up. If you miss it, it will be available recorded the next day for everyone in the library tearing up on Patreon. (laughs) And additionally, our Patreon magical beginnings offers our special 25 minute part two episode, a huge library of articles about witchcraft, including that Mercury retrograde one, which will be dropping tomorrow a discord community full of fun events and discussions and we even have a tier that offers one-on-one conversations with robin and myself yes yay (laughs) and please if you are loving our sexy sensual just sexy voices (laughs) take a moment to review us on whatever streaming service that you are tuning in from such as apple Podcasts or spotify we love reading your reviews and rating us with five stars helps us to be seen by others thank you everyone who already has and everyone who will in the future we appreciate you again this is coffee and cauldrons with robin from at a tired witch on instagram and i'm maria from at maria the arcane on instagram you ready? Yeah, I'm not gonna sneeze. It's fine. <laughs> One, One, two, two.